0: Welcome to Fright School, one man's willing descent into the dark abyss that lives at the heart of the American horror film. Over the next few weeks, I, Joshua Napier, am going to play horror Sherpa to Joe Farron's journey to the mountains of madness. Are you ready? Class is in session. everyone hello joe hello joshua uh how are you doing today i'm great fright school we're uh, back we are back making talking more today we are discussing the shining the shinning the shinning uh but first of all let's check and see if there's any cool interesting uh news on ihorror.com everybody get the app um they don't pay us just do they it they don't it's true but you know i do like to uh I horror, K horror. <laughs> we should have our own app. We'll look into that one day.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> um, well, obviously, the first thing that we should talk about is the death of John Hurt.
1: That is, oh, uh, uh, God. Man,
0: six decades. Eh, Oscar noms.
1: Mary Tyler Moore and John Hurt. Right. I don't know if Mary Tyler Moore ever did horror or anything, but no.
0: John Hurt was in... Alien. Alien, yeah, and so I, I definitely felt it in you know the gut when I read that. I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the first, I mean, he's the first guy to die in the in in Alien. He's the one who births the the creature that wreaks all the havoc. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, he was, you know, an incredible actor in lots of great things. Um, you know, I, notably, you know, I, Claudius. Uh, he appeared in, like, a special of Doctor Who. He was in um, the Harry Potter movies as uh, I think the wand maker. I, I
1: think he was... I um, think uh, Man of All Seasons.
0: Hmm.
1: Um I don't know if that was him. A uh, Man of All Seasons based on the life of Thomas More. Yeah. It was a play as well. Um
0: V's for vendetta. V for
1: vendetta. V for vendetta.
0: <laughs> Hellboy. Uh, yeah, you know he was in. He was in all kinds of really good, uh, good, um, good stuff. I like this uh, quote from him. I think this is great. We are all racing towards death. No matter how many great intellectual conclusions we draw during our lives, we know they're all only man-made, like God. I begin to wonder where it all leads. What can you do except to do what you can do as best you know how? That's wonderful. I'm going to put that right on my uh, epitaph. Yes, you should. I'm kidding, I'm not going to have an epitaph. Uh, but somebody could carve it <laughs> in the tree, you know, that grows
1: out of me, maybe. <laughs> I are you? Uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get you a life tree.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, R.I.P., to uh, John Hurt, that was uh, very no. Sad he was news. not
1: in A Man for All Seasons. <laughs> oh, okay, I don't know. I didn't. You know, I just
0: trust a lot of my friends have been posting like movies I've never heard of or seen. You know, so I have to go with kind of what I <laughs> what I yes. know him from. Um, but you know, and for me, it really was Alien. That's what really hit yeah. me. Like, oh damn, you know, just just a bummer. You know, I'm I'm starting to get to that. Um, uh, part of, you know, you get to that age uh, where people do start dying that you know. Because, like, when you're younger, when you're, like, you know, 10, 11, you know, somebody dies you've never heard of, there's no cultural reference to you, you know. You don't understand, like, the um, emotion that comes with it. You don't understand the pain, you know, you know however you want to you know there's like a touch of mortality that comes with it okay. you know so last year everybody who who died um you know now this year already we're losing more people like even like mary tyler moore i don't have the, like the same connection you know even though i think she was younger than john hurt yeah but um, i he, he was so present and you know as as this in the very iconic yeah. role in alien for me You know, it'll be the same, like, you know, Sigourney Weaver. Well, I actually really like Sigourney Weaver probably a lot more than John Hurt, but, but, you know, just using that as an example. You know, I'm I'm in that age now where people are starting to die that have a very um, real effect on, like, my cultural consciousness, my artistic consciousness. You know, that's starting to happen for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now Um, I feel bad. (laughs) Mary Tyler Moore. (laughs) Mary Tyler Moore, she. she, I, I watched Nick at Night as a kid, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite TV shows to watch late at night when I wasn't supposed to be up was Mary Tyler Moore Show. Wow! And I remember watching her; those shows, Dick Van Dyke, like she was just this, uh, just this most the most interesting force, you know, a woman in like this man's world of news, trying to make it, um, you know, negotiating like modern life, but as a single woman. Yeah, it was just very, very interesting. But yeah, Mary Tyler Moore, John Hurt, you will be missed. Your legacy is your legacy is far reaching. Absolutely.
0: (sighs) Yeah, bummer. Uh trying to see what else has come through here. Come through horror.
1: Come through horror. Um some good good trailers. Uh we watched uh split in theater. In the theater and did a yeah. little mini-sode. If you haven't uh, heard that mini-sode, you should go and uh, check it out. Yeah, um, especially but, if you've seen... Especially <laughs> if you've seen Split. If you have not, then uh, maybe you don't blame us because it was not our fault. Too bad. Yeah, because we
0: definitely are spo- spoiling the shit out of it in that. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: uh, it was. there were some really good trailers. Um, I definitely wanted to watch the uh, Get Out trailer again. Uh, which was great to see it like on a big screen. I think it's going to be a really the Jordan Peele. Yes, yeah. I think it's going to be a really really good film. I think there's going to be a lot to discuss in that. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I am. I hope too. it lives up to its trailer. I hope so too. I hope they didn't give it all away either, because um, I can I still don't quite know what's going on. But you know, as as the character says in the uh, in the trailer, I get nervous when them too around too many white people. Right. So. Yeah, because it's basically about like you know a white woman brings her black fiance.
0: I, I couldn't tell if I they think were maybe boyfriend just a career. boyfriend. Okay, uh, but anyways, home to meet her her family, and they all respond very strangely to him. It's a very weird. Environment and uh, and then the other black characters look to be in some kind of um, distress or distress, but or brain. I don't know. It was brainwashing. Weird. Yeah, it
1: was very weird.
0: So I'm very curious. Looks to like see. there's an
1: auction happening. Yeah, at one and,
0: point, some kind of like surgery, like. How you know, all the tools and stuff. I don't know. It looked very weird. So I definitely look forward to watching that and we'll do a, we'll do a uh, review mini for that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Rings. Yes, Rings. Do you know anything, do you know if it's going
1: to be a continuation of I Ring? I don't know or? anything
0: about it I have not been following. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it. I want to go back and now rewatch all the Ring movies I do have because I have like the original uh, Japanese box set of all the films and then I have the other
1: two Cause it looks like it's going to, it looks like it's the same video.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same. It's sort of like maybe a new, a new, uh, it's like it's come back with a vengeance to haunt everybody. That's what it seemed like to me.
1: Especially now. I mean, now in this kind of viral age of television in which we live or viral age of media in which we live,
0: yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it could make a, re- a very cool comment nowadays. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, s- we'll see. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it in the next week.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: Anyways, uh, what else was it? The Cure for Wellness. We've talked about that before on here. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That yes. looks really good.
1: Dane DeHaan. Yeah,
0: that it just looks so strange. It just looks like it's going to be a very interesting artistic... Yeah.
1: Kind of movie you you don't even really know what it's about. Uh, You just know that someone goes to the spa and what is going on? What is going to happen? That is not like any spa that I want to go to. Let me tell you, okay?
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe for me,
1: it looks very well. Yeah, maybe. maybe, (laughs) Yes, maybe for you, it's relaxing. And Uh, then, of course, the 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 best trailer that came out of it was the trailer for Chips. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> California Highway Patrol, a reimagining reboot of the um, 1970s 80s uh, television show uh, that starred uh, Eric Estrada as uh, yeah that looked Frank Pontarelo. I know. I yeah. was like, ooh, can we be more homophobic, please? Could we just you know, <laughs> like can we just be it's more very homophobic? uncomfortable
0: watching that?
1: I was like, oh my gosh, I like, well, you know, that's that's the world in which we live. Yeah, it was very weird.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, they're working on, I guess, uh, adapting, we've talked about before, the scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's, um, that's still in the works. And there's this new, it looks like a short film. It looks like it's only a few seconds long. Uh, but the slithery D from Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. It's just like, it's uh, it's a two-sentence horror story. It's the slithery D, he came out of the sea, he ate all the others, but he didn't eat me. The slithery D, he came out of the sea, he ate all the others, but he didn't eat slurp. Mm. And that's the whole thing. And there's two pictures. One, where it's this kind of creature, and obvious, like they're all standing together. And then... It says that. Then the next panel, three, the other three are gone, and the one standing alone. And then finally, the other one's gone. You never see the actual. There's no drawing of the creature. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. so there's like a new short film or whatever based on that. It's, it's like literally 15 seconds long or something. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to the adaptation of of uh, of the scary story.
1: Who doesn't love a slithery D? Right. Exactly. I was like slithery D. Yeah. I see what you did there, Scary Stories, Telling the Dark. Yeah, exactly. Anyways,
0: uh, so we watched The Shining. Shining. Really, truly one of the greatest horror films uh, ever made. I I do fall on the side of agreeing that I think it is a really good film on its own.
1: It's a film for sure. Yeah,
0: but, you know, has very little to do with the book that it's based on. (laughs) Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in it that's kind of, uh, you know, uncomfortable. Uh, but you, especially the making of it. I mean, Kubrick, God, that man, he just sounds like a monster. So, you know, I mean, he was very, obviously very brilliant, but you know, I mean, he, you know, he caused Shelley Duvall's hair to fall out you know, he put her under so much stress and, you know, it was just, anyways, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, initial thoughts on The Shining.
1: Long. It was very long. It is long. It was very long. I fell asleep watching it the first time. I fell asleep a little bit towards the end. Um, the first time was my fault because I, you know, I, after a night out, I thought I could just get through it. Um, I didn't realize it was like two more than two hours long. Yeah, it's
0: 144 minutes. Jesus. Initial original premiere was 146. So... There's a European cut that gets it down to 119 but still it it is 2 hours and 20 yeah. minutes. On. It's
1: long. I mean, definitely I mean, definitely the creepy factor for jack nicholson was just all the way up the entire time absolutely and poor shelly Duvall just running around that that (laughs) hotel
0: (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, very (laughs) like holding the knife like (laughs) i know just waving it all over the place (laughs) just waving it all over the place um best part about that (laughs) whole thing was the the kid the kid was phenomenal he's
0: very good yeah danny lloyd little danny lloyd playing little danny Torrance
1: kid was phenomenal just it was good I, I i'm still a little confused about things in it okay so let's talk about that what do you what were you confused down the ending so it ends well
0: you join millions of people in confusion <laughs> about the ending go ahead
1: so <laughs> in, so the ending right it ends with um uh, you, you know it's assumed that shelly and little danny are going away um in the snowcat Um uh, the black man is dead on the floor because he got, you know, axed, which was so violent and so unexpected. It's very sudden. But um, he just kind of gives up and um, he just kind of gives up and then he's there, uh, like, you know, under a bunch of snow, frozen, like with his... uh, rolling his eyes, it looks like. And then after that... Um, it zooms in on a picture where you see that it's his his face, so yeah, Jack Nicholson's character's face, in this old like gala style. <laughs> Ooh, right. Excuse me, <laughs> yeah, I had <have> to <laughs> yawn. Um, <laughs> excuse, uh, old gala uh, back in like a Fourth of July gala what, back when the over in the heydays of the Overlook Hotel, and it it begs the question: Is who is that man? Is it the Grady character? Is it... Who is it? I I don't know. Yeah. So, lots of interpretations.
0: You know, a lot of people, you know, argue kind of back and forth about, you know, what it is. So, my personal interpretation has always been uh, kind of what they say. You know, you've always been the caretaker here. This idea that, you know, it's almost like manifestations of the same kind of people. You know, it's an American horror story thing, like trapped in...
1: Trapped in a loop. Yeah, in a loop.
0: And you're kind of playing the same sort of character over and over again. So Grady, because there are two Grady's also, that's that was another uh, thing that's um, uh, questioned uh, in the movie is because the Mr. Allman, the guy who hires Jack to take over the hotel, he's like, the I guess, the uh, general manager for the hotel, mentions a Charles Grady who in the 70s uh. Murdered his family. Or is it Delbert? No, Delbert is the other guy.
1: Yeah, Charles okay. is the one who's like, you know, telling him, you know, correct it. Correct it.
0: Correct, correct um, them. No, I, see, now I'm getting it mixed up. Hold on a second. Because he mentions the caretaker. Um, yeah, Charles Grady. That's right. Yeah. Uh, developed cabin fever and killed his family himself in the 70s. So he was like the last, the previous, the guy. So this was like the winter before. Okay. In context, I guess, of the film, that the previous caretaker of the winter, you know, killed his family in there. And then later on, we meet Delbert Grady, who is stuck in like the 20s. So are they the same person who's also like, you know, or is it is it Charles Delbert Grady? Or is it Delbert is like a a relative, you know, 50 years before of, you know, the other guy? So, you know, we don't know. And the same is kind of like for Jack. Like, has he, when they say he's always been the caretaker, is that he's always, like, he's reborn and brought, you know, keeps getting drawn to the hotel? You know, who knows? Because that's sort of the... um you know it's cuz okay so the move in the movie they say it's built on ancient like burial grounds and that's sort of why it's that way whereas in the book it's more it's kind of like again you know referencing american horror story which references the shining <laughs> it's that the the acts of evil of malevolence that that um happen in a place uh give it a, like a sentience yes. you know and so you know in that way it it's like drawing
1: them there like in, um, like the act, like Mr. March's, all of his murders, it yeah. gives, it kind of gave the Cortez its own sentience. Yeah,
0: exactly. And the, the murdering of all the, um, the abortions that happened in the, in the murder house, in the murder house is what gives it its evil. Maybe. I mean, or is it built at like a particular apex for horror, you know, whatever, who knows? Um, which when I think about it, it is also terrible, you know, like I don't, um, you know i i'm for free safe access to abortion i don't think it creates uh porters, portals to hell uh, <laughs> but you know whatever that's a whole other <laughs> whole other thing um so yeah so in the book it's mo- you know the hotel is like putting this influence cuz jack isn't like a bad guy he's an alcoholic He has, you know, abused his son, like, you know, hurt him, dislocated his shoulder or whatever. That does happen in the novel as well as the film. But... By the time this was three years ago, and he's gone through Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever it is. You know, I don't, I don't think if AA is actually mentioned. But anyways, he's gone. He's gotten sober, and he's finally putting his family together in like a good place. And he thinks it's a great idea to go off and and stay at this hotel because it's going to give him time to wor- write a play that he's working on um, rather than a novel. Uh, so he's writing a play, and he thinks it'll kind of bond his family together, and, and they're happier. You know, Wendy's a very different character. She's very resourceful, very independent, very strong. Um not woman,
1: how Shelly Duvall. Her. Not at
0: all how she's written. You know, I don't know I don't want to blame Shelly Duvall for that. Uh, I think that I don't know what the hell Stanley Kubrick and yeah. you
1: know was thinking. Um, what direction he gave her, or if it was all her creation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know, well, I mean, she. I think she really played her as as written. You know, I mean, the screenplay was written by Stanley Kubrick and Diane Johnson, based on The Shining, and that's actually that's a real big point of contention for Stephen King. I mean, he himself said that um, Wendy is portrayed on in the shining is one of the most misogynistic characters to ever grace film and is not the woman that he wrote. Uh, so yeah, he had a lot of problems with, with, with how she's portrayed. Um, you know, and the same with, and then again with Jack, you know, he starts off, I mean, Jack Nicholson just kind of plays him very malevolently from the beginning. You know, you, right at the start, you kind of, are like, whoa, there's something wrong with this dude. Yeah, he's kind and, of a dick already. And he stays that way through the whole thing, increasing that, you know, increasing that violence. But you kind of get the sense that he's already on the edge right at the start, and which I think is a very um, is a big misstep in adapting the novel. I mean, it's fine for a horror film, you know, but yeah. that the novel wouldn't be as successful if he had started out like that
1: yeah. right from the beginning. You want to be you want to be able to see the. <laughs> Whew, excuse me yeah the uh, last year uh, right
0: <laughs> I've gone up in flames uh, anyways um, yeah, you want to see the evolution of that cuz that's the the point of it is that he's a good guy, you know, in, in the sense that he's made some bad mistakes obviously. I don't want to say oh, you know, good guy breaks his, you know, son's arm. Um not at all, you know. That's but by the time the events of the novel start, you know, he is trying to repair and he is trying to be a better person and trying to uh, figure his life out. Um so the 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 effect of the hotel on him is to you know create this writer's block and and to and to strip you know put more and more and more stress of building and building and building because it wants him to to kill his family and to continue this um malevolence that exists in in the hotel and so it's just the uh the the, the, the choices in the film are just different you know and that's you know and we don't I, I, you know I don't know I haven't done a lot again film analysis um I haven't read a lot of history I haven't really even read like Stanley Kubrick's own Comments on what it was he was trying to say because there's lots of questions. Is the you know is the movie about racism? Is the movie yeah. about like toxic masculinity? Is it about you know alcoholism? Is it about you know genocide? Native American genocide? Is it about the Holocaust? I mean, there are some strange interpretations of this movie. A Holocaust. There's a wow. whole documentary, Room Two Thirty Seven, with all these like intense Stanley Kubrick um, fans or at least fans of The Shining, who you know say that the film, you know, he hid within it like an admission to having faked the moon landing, you know, because of like, you know, all of these, these strange things. Um, Let me see. I I had, I had, there was like a whole list of,
1: of. I I definitely, (laughs) I definitely can see, I definitely can see toxic masculinity for sure. Um, He, it's just the way he talks to his wife is just. Crisis and masculinity. um, Mm -hmm. The way he talks to his wife is just so unsettling. And um, and then like I can definitely see the race thing um, from from right away. You know the idea of that in certain people there's like a shining, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, there's like a psychic connection, which I, I think that's one thing about Stephen King that I. That I'm also not a fan of, and the reason why I I just can't get on board with a lot of the movies is that it just can't be one thing. There needs to be another giant plot element, like Salem's Lot. You know, there it, it's not just vampires. It's also this other thing, um, uh, Dreamcatcher, right? That's Stephen King. It, it's not just aliens. Like it has to be aliens and. <laughs> and, like, friends that are psychically connected. Like, it just can't be one thing. It has to have these two big things, and, and they merge in some way, shape, or form. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and, and you know... Well, like, and
0: I mean, but that's true for any, I think, work of art. You yeah. know, I mean, you don't want to write a song and it be about what the lyrics are about all the time. You know, I mean, they're... they're you know Or poetry or, yeah. you know, a piece that you write or a play. You know, it's but I I guess I get which I I think that sometimes maybe what you, I I don't know, maybe I'm misinterpreting, but I think maybe it's the heavy handedness of something. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like
1: it's just, you're, it's laying it on really thick. And I, I, I have, you know, as me as a poor audience member, I only have so much, I have so much time to sit down and process one, one aspect of the plot, let alone multiple. So it was just interesting to, to kind of, to get that. I mean, like, so one thing M Night Shyamalan did in Split, since you know we, since we're kind of talking about that in the same in the same uh, in the same time frame, um,
0: although I would avoid spoilers for that on this. Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so like there are, there's definitely like the main story, but then there's a sub story that flashes back, much like in Signs, where you have like y- you you kind of see how you're flashing back to the past and kind of see how things get made. Mm -hmm. Um, How people get who they, they, how, how the circumstances that formed someone, how they were to be, it's still in the same kind of, it's still in the same context. It's two different things happening. Right. But like for Shining, for like Dreamcatcher, it's just two drastically different things that you're just trying to process yeah. that's taking a, that takes a while to process. Yeah, well, and I think that's the thing. It's like you, you can sit down and just watch
0: The Shining as a film, and it works as a film. It's fine just to sit and accept the story as it is. You know, so I, and I'm pretty much typically, for the most part, like that, especially with horror films. You know, I mean, we're obviously analyzing them with a cultural, you know, kind of looking, you know, it, it was made in the 70s. Um, you know, there was a lot of... Um, I mean, just I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? It's like <sighs> it okay. Spoke anyway, to that time the point. Of, okay, so the, what I'm trying to say is, I don't typically go around looking for a lot of deeper meaning in horror. I do like to analyze it as as a, as a um, as an artifact of the time period that it's made in. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're talking. You know, it was. They started, I think, in '78 or '79. Making it took them like a year to shoot it. It was a very fraught schedule, you know, um, Kubrick had whatever ideas he had about women, which is, are reflected in the way Wendy is or the way Jack is or the way the boy, you know, the way the relationships are, you know, I think that's interesting to look at. I'm, I don't, you know, like I was saying, there's this whole thing about like, you know, the room number, like, um, room 237, which was changed. Cause okay. So what happened? The, 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 the real quick sidebar, Stephen King and his wife went to stay in this hotel, uh, the Stanley Hotel in, um, where's that at? It's at, um, shoot. Uh,
1: Isn't it also in Colorado?
0: Maybe. I I think so. But I thought there was another. I'm trying to find the, um, I just found it. So the Stanley Hotel uh, in 74, it's in, oh, Oh, in Estes Park, Colorado, or Estes, E-S-T-E-S, Estes Park, Uh, because what happened was uh, he'd written Carrie and he'd written Salem's Lot, both take place in Maine, so he thought he would try to do something different for his next book, and anecdotally, he says that he opened a map and uh, pointed to a place, Boulder, Colorado, that's where I'm going to set my next book, so he and his wife went, and they stayed in this hotel, the Stanley Hotel, and this was on October 30th, 1974. They were the only two guests in the whole hotel because it was closing, so they were allowed to stay. They, you know, all like the dining room was all, like all the chairs were on the tables, so only their table was set. Uh, they were only offered one thing for dinner because that was the only thing that was left. Um, you know, so they they had stayed there, and that's where he got like the idea for for creating this. Um, this story, because I guess he had had earlier um, thoughts about writing a story about a little boy with um, with psychic abilities, but he had kind of just tucked it in the back of his mind and it kind of really resurged in this hotel that was you know supposedly haunted, you know so they requested that room two seventeen. Um, which is is what it is in the book, but they change it to two thirty seven in 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 the movie. Uh, the other thing was that at the time, you know, Stephen was battling alcoholism. Um, he's also battled cocaine addiction. Uh, when I think when writing like Cujo, I think um, he didn't even like remember writing that book because he was like in a coke fueled like daze. Oh, wow. I could be wrong on the book, but I, but i I think it's Cujo. Anyway, so he was he was getting over that. Um, he has talked about his struggle with like um, his antagonism with his own children, which I think is actually very interesting because I think that's something that we don't really, uh, pr- we really don't approve of that in our culture. You know, he was very young when he had his first kids, um, you know, and he just you know, would find himself getting so angry at them. And, you know, at the same time, he was a freaking drunk, you know. So that's what all kind of fueled the book. I just wanted to do that little sidestep before I talked about, you know, just to explain the room, you know, kind of where the room. So the uh, the place that he stayed at had asked him not to name the book, you know, name the room, I guess. Um, or they asked Stanley Kubrick to change it because they didn't want people like thinking there was something wrong with the hotel. But um, in the end, people, you know, people are freaks like me, and they went ahead and requested the room anyways, hoping for, you know, I guess, whatever it is to happen. Yeah. Anyways, so there are these thoughts, and I think this comes up in that movie, Room 237, which is this study of The Shining, where people are like, um, you know, there are, it's approximately 237,000 miles between the Earth and the moon, Uh, They also look at a scene where Danny, wearing an Apollo 11 sweater, crouches on a carpet that resembles a rocket launch pad, slowly stands straight and walks to room 237. Uh, On the roll of other numbers used in the film, Danny wears a jersey numbered 42, and he briefly watches with Wendy the film Summer of 42. Uh, the numbers of room 237 multiplied with each other is 42. 42 is 21 doubled. 1921, 21 pictures on the gold corridor wall. 12 is a mirror image of 21. The radio call number for the Overlook is KDK12. The Two screen titles for part three, 8 a.m. and 4 p.m., add up to 12. Two, three, and seven when added together equal 12. These, like, you know, they, it's like people are pulling all of this meaning from it. The, I, I just don't know if it's really there. Have you heard of any of this? No. Sam's... You should maybe look that documentary up and watch it. You might be very interested. I've seen
1: it on Netflix. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. You might... You know, just as
1: somebody who, you know, likes to analyze film. Yeah. uh, Well, see, that's the thing is that there's... There's... There's analyzing... There's, I, I, I'm, I agree this with. This is you. a little more
0: schizophrenic, if you ask me. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, and I agree with delusions you delusions of meaning. Um, in the sense that, like, you know, there's analyzing film for its cultural relevance and trying to, like, you know, trying to um, get meaning from it and like cultural meaning from it or you know, from uh, and suss out whatever meaning that the 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 authors of the text are trying to make. Right. But there's also people who, like you said, are just a little bit more obsessive that are trying to decode hidden messages. Exactly. And at that point, it's like, you know, uh, uh, hidden messages, you know, they're there. You know, everyone, you can be arguing that there are hidden messages and everything, but like they're, it sounds like they're really, you know... Reaching. The the issue is we don't know
0: because we don't know if Stanley Kubrick, because of the massive changes he made to the book and the the film, The Shining, what he he actually made, uh, I don't know what he intended. You know, what his, you know, like, I mean, is it just an accident that everything's sort of Native American themed? You know, is he trying to make a comment on Native American genocide? I have no idea. The Holocaust, you know, I don't know if I see that in this, you know, I think there's good anecdotal evidence that he was very obsessed with the Holocaust and, and searched for me and wanted to make a film about it and never, I guess, achieved that, you know, never, or at least never found the right story, the right script. Um, you know, where was Schindler's list when Kubrick wanted to make it? I don't know, <laughs> you know, so I, you know, whatever. It's very, it's very interesting when it comes to interpreting what the film is about. Um, I I just like to accept it, at, you know, not ex- not totally at face value, because again, it's a victim of its culture. You know, there are you know several uses of the N word, so you have to look at you know race and all in it. But of course, the the person saying that is in is in the twenties. Jack repeats it because he's sort of like, okay.
1: He's like, oh, you've said that, right?
0: Yeah, um, you know, but that character's in the twenties when that was very normal. And then we look, you know, we have to think about Quentin Tarantino. He makes whatever the Hateful Eight and everybody's or Django and Ch-
1: is that him? No, Django and Hateful are both. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino. and they're yeah. filled with you know
0: these racial epithets. And part of me goes, well, hey, at least it's staying true to the time because that is how people talked. And I mean, you you know use lots of. I mean, it's the same thing. Maybe one day we will look back on our culture and be ashamed. You know, we'll say the B word. You know, or the c word, because we'll be too embarrassed to, you know, say that those words out loud for, you know, because they're so degrading to women. Maybe we'll live in a culture like that one day, but for yeah. now, I mean that that's a very real part of our culture. Um, you know, white people or, or people of you know who are not black, you know, who do not use the, quote unquote the n word, um, you know, feel embarrassed to say you know so it's like uh, the use of it in the film I'm like well it seems appropriate for somebody living in the 20s Um, in the sense that it was culturally normal not that anybody should ever have used the word you know any sort of derogatory racist
1: horrific word it's just shocking because you have it's just shocking because the character the character is this person of like you, you realize it's like the person of utmost propriety who has, right. who's yeah. like, oh, let's let's take you this way yeah. and you make sure that we get these stains out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden, not only is he saying, you know, rhymes with trigger, but <laughs> <laughs> he's also saying, oh, maybe you should correct them and veiled. Correct hint, them. Correct them and veiled hinting that, you know, you should just, you know, go murder and your family, murder your family because yeah. they're getting in the way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, we're talking about a film
0: that came out 37 years ago. So, you know, also, I wonder what audiences then. You know, did people gasp or did we just no. kind of move on, you know?
1: I feel like... I feel
0: it's much more now where you're like, oh, God, I can't believe they said that. Oh, oh, my goodness. You <laughs> know.
1: <laughs> I, I feel, and this is just me, and I feel, I, I kind of felt this while uh, listen, watching the whole thing, I feel that if they were to remake The Shining... <laughs> Or to do another film that's an adaptation, like a more direct adaptation of the book. Oh, did they? <laughs> they did. Oh. I pulled it out. I was going to talk about it once we... Okay, well, I feel like if they did a modern, <laughs> a more modern take on they it... They did. They did um, a few
0: years ago with uh, Stephen Weber, Rebecca De Mornay, and Cortland Mead playing oh. Danny. This Didn't kid, even know that. Yeah, it went to TV. It was uh, in 97.
1: Well, never mind then. Yeah, I feel like that they could remake it is basically what I'm saying
0: yeah and they did and they they actually made this with uh, Stevens uh, involvement and I think his like you know um, approval uh, he's he gives commentary on it Yeah. Um, it has, how many parts to it? I forget. It's got, I think, three. It was it was like one of those. So back in the 90s, I remember it was always an event for like a Stephen King. It was like four-part series for it, a two-part series for the Langoliers, you know, eight parts for The Stand. Um, and then this came out. In the you know, so it's kind of one of those. I think this was like the last one they did for the 90s because then they did The Green Mile in 98 or 99, and that was actually a film. Oh, such a good movie. The Green so was Mile.
1: um they ended up doing Salem's Lot as a thing. Oh, that's right, but that was in the 2000s. Yes, Salem's Lot. So I'm just lot saying like part yeah. of
0: my childhood oh, was was, was centered around these
1: like 90s Stephen King uh, Rose Red
0: was also I think that was the 2000s, 2000s as well. well. Okay. Cuz I think that book was published in then. Um anyway, so they did re- they did readapt it a little bit more faithful to to the original novel. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's to- I mean it's very different. There's a lot I mean, you know, but again, even at two hours and 20 minutes, you know, for, for you know, the uh, the shining 1980 uh, Stanley Kubrick version, it, that's still not enough to put everything that's in the book. Like anything, you know, there, there's just not enough time. You know, I was shocked when they did The Green Mile because, I mean, I think it's almost, I think it's a three-hour movie. And it was so beautiful the way they adapted it. And I feel they got everything in there, even though it was like six Parts, you know the 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 book was uh, released really serialized, so you had six uh, books that were released over you know however many months, and then they collected them on, and then they made the movie, and blah 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 blah. And I was really impressed at how how well they did. So the Shining, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that would work as well with the Shining because so much happens. In the book, mm. you know, there's there's a lot. It's v- much more expanded on, and and some of the things are very different. Like, the, um, it's there's not a maze in it. It's a topiary garden with like, you know, animals that come to life and attack, you know. Them. There's a whole thing with like uh, the wasps. There's like a wasp's nest. It's very weird. Uh, The hose like a a fire hose chases Danny. That was actually I think that was from a direct dream that Stephen had of his one of his sons. I don't know if it was Owen or Joe. I think he said Joey. He called him Joey when he was a kid, Joe Hill, author Joe Hill. Oh my gosh, love him. Uh, read all his books uh, as a side note. Anyways, he had a dream that night that they stayed at that hotel um, with his wife Tabitha um, of his son running through the hotel being chased by a, uh, a fire hose, and that made it into, into the book, which I think is very interesting. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it's actually pretty good. You know, someday, you know, if you want to watch it, I really recommend you read the book. I think it'd be very interesting. Um, but I'm also
1: always trying to get people to read more. Literacy yes. saves lives. Uh, <laughs> this has been a message from the the American yeah. Literary Council. Uh, but, anyways, we're here to discuss. So I want to. <laughs> there's something that you said. You you had mentioned your. Yeah. Um, I don't. You. I don't know if you said this was Stephen King who said this, or if you said that this was just something from the book. But the idea of. Um, the idea that a place. Um, a place gets its own sentience from mm-hmm. the evil that was perpetrated there, yeah. right um, which i it was just a fascinating thing because that's definitely if uh, going back to that conversation we had during amityville horror, where you know maybe it's not necessarily a supernatural thing, but because humans are because humans give off like electric, electrical impulses from the brain mm-hmm. that you know they're it could be just a, com- it could just be that it could be right. us giving off these electrical impulses that affect the spaces in which, you know, as you were talking about, like Auschwitz and stuff. So yeah. I think that's, that's fascinating is that I, I, I don't think that that's far off. Yeah. I think that is, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. So I, what's what, like what, what in, in connection to what we're talking about, in, like, in connection to what you're talking about, because you're talking we're, we're talking about like, Um, Whatever the reason is that this hotel is causing people to go insane because of the... because of whatever is going on there, I just thought it's fascinating that you brought that quote up. But also, it it makes total sense in comparison to what you had previously said during our Amityville episode.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's, it's because that's all I personally have. Like, you know, as an atheist, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't want to entertain the ideas of of ghosts and spirits being, you know, an explanation. I think I think one day science can prove these things. You know, I think. You know, I don't know. I think we have a lot of very good evidence, you know, from like CT scans and all these different things of like how, you know, love looks in the brain or how hatred looks in the brain or, you know, how fear looks, you know, I, I think that these are very real, uh, you know, it's like, av- it's like Avatar. You know, it's like we, we've we sort of divorced ourselves from our natures in a lot of ways because, you know, we have technology and we have all these distractions and, we're, you know, we're not as connected as we used to be. So maybe these uh, things that, you know, still exist in in tribal religions and, you know, in, um, you know, these sorts of ideas are not... They're nothing I certainly made up and they're nothing, you know, that haven't been around for a long time. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I think one day we'll prove that that's true. Yeah. That, that you can you know, a place can absorb a certain, like, energy left in it, you know? I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of, But I, I think it's, like, scientific. Like, you know, like, okay, I'm talking right now. These are sound waves that are traveling. They will continue to travel. They don't end. You know, they go out into wherever they go. You know, they echo across the universe forever. You know, th- they're waves, you know, radio waves. We're giving... Right now, we're sitting here giving off electrical impulses. We're... Um, We're surrounded, all of us, each of us, this is gross, but it's true, um, in like a microbial cloud of our own decay that we just can't see or smell. But, you know, I mean, there's these little tiny insect creature things that, mites or whatever, that live in your eyelash. We can have hundreds of thousands of them on our body that we cannot see you know, but they're there <laughs> and they're eating us and we're, I mean, their skin fluffing off of me It's fluffing off of me right now. So I just don't think I, I you know, I, I feel like there's uh, something in nature that, you know, in the, in the scientific community just hasn't yet been able to exactly prove exists. But I think we have real, at least um, what do you want to say? I, I just go back to like Auschwitz, or I go back to you know like a stock, of, a farm, a slaughterhouse, or whatever. I mean, these are places that feel very empty. They feel sad, and it's inexplicable. Other than, I mean, obviously you know what's happened there, but that it's a different kind of thing. I've never been to Auschwitz. I'm just going by what people have said to me. Yeah. Um. You know, but I've been to places where people have died, or you know, you go to like a a hospital, or I mean, there are places filled with. Pain and with fear and with you know a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress that I feel kind of hangs around and I think that that can kind of attribute to what we think of as supernatural.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: I don't know. Maybe you know if we do have souls or if we do or if there are ghosts and I don't know. I, I would be I'd be kind of shocked by that because I'm definitely somebody who's like I'm open in the sense that if a ghost existed, it, it has certainly. Always had the opportunity to let me know, you know, (laughs) yeah, because I would totally like if if it happened, I'd be like, awesome. You know, that's cool. You know, Um, I want, like I've said before on the podcast, I want life after death. You know, I want the ability of immortality. I wish these things truly do exist. You know, mermaids, unicorns, all that shit. I'm I am for it. I just haven't seen any evidence and I'm certainly um, open to it. You know, as fucking macabre as I am, as much like horror stuff as I, you know, absorb and and love, I totally down. If there's some ghosts out there listening, you want to come over to my house and be like, "Yo, dude, ghosts exists." I'd love it. (laughs) Prove it. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not sure if this is answering your question.
1: No, it's answering my question. It's it's. I just think it's a (laughs) it's um. I think it's a good callback to that conversation. Yeah. 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 I.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting really good female character, um, you know, in this, she's just, you know, I don't know. And that's all, like, Stanley Kubrick. I mean, he just, he really terrorized Shelly Duvall. Like, I don't know if he just didn't like her. I don't know why he didn't fire her and get somebody else. I, I I don't really know what the hell was going on there. But there's, like, behind the scenes of the documentary, there's, like, a whole scene where she pushes open, you know, to go in. You know, she pushes open the door to come in to where the, um, the snow cat is. And it's like over and over, and I mean, they show for a while, and she's like, and they're just screaming at each other. Well, I didn't know what you wanted me to do, and blah blah. I mean, it's just there was so much animosity. I mean, she would go in and she was like sick, you know, for days on end, and you know, her hair fell out. Like I was saying earlier. You know, she was just really terrorized by by Stanley Kubrick's direction, and Jack Nicholson felt that too. You know, they, they were constantly the. Re, I mean, it took them so long because they were constantly rewriting the script, like day of. Like oh, it wow. got so bad that Jack Nicholson would just throw the pages away because he knew that they would come up with something new. So he took to memorizing his lines right before the film was, or right before it was going to be filmed. Oh wow. Yeah, because it it was a waste of time. Um, the documentary is the same way. They have like all the pages are color coded, and there's like a scene where it's like they've got blue and green and yellow and pink and y- y- red or what you know. I mean, all these different pages. It's like, wait, which ones are we working from? Uh, you know, the product. They um, the Steadicam was very new. It had only been used in a couple films. They had the guy who invented it like, working with them, you know, um, on the film. So that, it, it took a lot. It, you know, things kept happening. They were trying to, like, rig it a certain way, especially for the scenes where um, Danny's pedaling all through the hotel. You know, they had to kind of, like, follow him on this, like, wheelchair thing. And, it like, it, like br- I think the wheels, like, busted because, like, the, wow. the um, equipment was so heavy. There was just a lot going on in the movie. A lot of tension, uh, which I, I think, you know, sadly enough contributes to to what makes it such a great film because that it's very palpable that tension you know i mean when shelly's there like screaming and yelling crying i mean it's probably cuz stanley was screaming at her you know only moments before <laughs> you know yeah uh so it's very tense yeah it's a tense tense situation <sighs> yeah absolutely uh but yeah i definitely i'm definitely in the the boat that it's you know one of the best horror films ever made especially now, looking back on it you know um, anthrop- anthropologically whatever the word I'm trying to say. Say <laughs> anthropomorphically? <laughs> no, that, I don't think that's. What I no, mean. that's. Not,
1: it, it's not it's what like you anthropology. Anthro-
0: Anthropologically? Anthropologically. I don't know what archaeologically. Word is. Archaeologically, maybe because it wasn't well received when it came out. You know, and there was a lot of uh, conjecture that was a bad film. They didn't really know what, what it was about, and you know, the ending was very confusing to people. Which still, thirty-seven years later, uh, yeah, is still very confusing, confusing to people. Um, but. You know, I think overall it was a it's a good movie, good film. Go the follow along. Uh, any other like things you'd want to say about it?
1: Um, no, I it was it's a it's good. Like it's a very it's a very good film. Um, I just I I think I think I've said everything I'm going to say about it. Just because I've. Um, telling people I was gonna watch this film, they're like, "Oh, you are gonna love it! You are gonna love it! You are gonna love it!" And like, yeah, it was great. It was good storytelling. Um, yeah. Would you watch it again? I don't think I'd watch it again. Okay. Uh, I because right now, because right so it's now, too long or too horror or what? Too long. I uh, right now, I am comparing everything to uh, of of the movies that we've watched so far. I've, I I've just I've picked out the movie that I liked as my favorite, and I keep going back to. Does it, I can like, is this movie better than that? And would I watch that movie, the movie that we're currently watching over that movie? Which is uh, The Exorcist. Okay. Like, I really enjoyed The Exorcist. I thought it was, um, I thought it was, uh, it was great. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like Exorcist Poltergeist right now. So like, so does this, how does this compare in my view to either of those movies? Yeah. yeah. Uh, those movies maybe no, not so much. I'd rather watch either or, right? Okay,
0: well that no, and that makes sense, uh, especially because The Exorcist moves very fast. It has a it has a very engaging story, and Poltergeist is kind of funny and, and is, is also a sort of engaging in that way. It's yeah. not it's not relentless horror. The Shining, I do agree, it moves very slowly. You know, there is something these um uh, you know artistic films because like you know Stanley was looking you know when he was trying to figure out what he was going to do next you know, he asked for, because he wanted to do something commercially viable because he'd made another film that was a bomb. Um, I don't remember what it was about, but like right before he put a lot of work into it. It cost a lot of money. Um, I think it was well received by critics, but nobody else wanted to see it, you know? Yeah. Um, it just, it just bombed. And so he wanted to do something that was commercially viable, but would also satisfy his artistic urges. And so I think that's why it's just very drawn out, you know, in some scenes and it could, it could, definitely be a little tighter
1: (laughs) definitely yeah it could definitely be tighter and it was just with with um jack nicholson's character the way he was doing it was just so exhausting the way he was portraying that uh the way he was portraying him was just so exhausting i was like i can't i i it makes me want to read the book because i don't like how this character is just from the get a an ass. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Especially to like the way it's that, daunting, Especially to the way that Shelley Duvall, like that character's being portrayed where she's just like this, like literally could not hurt a fly, fly very right. passive... And he's just so so dominating over or yeah it. very abusive, yeah, plus it's like you <laughs> plus, it's interesting where you you said that in the book that the you know, the Wendy character is very is very strong. like you, yeah, it would definitely be like a group it would you know, a strong woman would have to, like understand it would be a partnership group decision to go. Agree to like take be caretakers of this hotel, yeah, during the winter for several months, for several months. And in, <laughs> in the movie, it's like, no, we're just gonna do this now, yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely, you know. And I think, you know, that's um, it's a very r- real thing, I think, for a lot of women, you know. So, I, I, I I have to sit back and you know applaud the film for showing you know a very real abusive sort of relationship. You're seeing like a very good example of a bad relationship. Um, it's just if if the decisions were different, you know to 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 have portrayed a little bit more like the book. It, you know I, I don't know. I think overall it would be a better adaptation. But yeah. as it stands, if you take that away, if you say okay, we're going to ignore that it's based on a book. Uh, we're going to ignore, you know, all this other stuff and just take it at face value. It's a, you know, it's very good. Um, I enjoy watching it. I've seen it a million times. I, <laughs> um, it's great when you grow up in Ohio um, and you're like trapped in the house in the winter mm-hmm. and it's all icy and gray outside and you watch The Shining. gives it a whole other feel, <laughs> uh, let me tell you. Uh, you, the whole scene where they're sitting watching TV, where you know, um, where it's the mother and Danny, and he's like, "Can I go to my room to get my trucks?" Right before he sees his, um, his father. Like that whole scene always reminds me of being home, like in the winter, what, like the grayness of it uh, when I was a kid. So it adds a whole other uh, layer. Uh, but yeah, that's The Shining. Uh, before we go, I did want to quickly, um, plug. Uh, Stephen wrote, Stephen King, like he's my best friend. I know, Stephen, wow. Stevie, little Stevie King. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, King wrote uh, a follow-up, Dr. Sleep, which is actually kind of a cool book. Uh, It's a sequel, it's about Danny. He's an adult now. Uh, Both his parents, I think, are dead. I think they're both dead. um, I can't exactly remember. Um, But he is working at like a hospice where he helps uh, older people transition into death. Uh, using his gift, and so using he's, the shining. Yeah, using the shine, and so, so that's one part of the story. And then the other part of the story follows this group called the True Knot, which are another. They also have a kind of shine, but they're like vampires. So they, they, uh, no, they don't. Sorry, I'm mixing that up. They are like like psychic vampires, and they hunt people down who have the shine, and they. Um, take it from them to to, to sustain their lives uh, and it's really good I actually really enjoyed it it's kind of weird in the sense that it actually reads as if somebody else wrote it like it doesn't feel like the overblown bloated kind of king books that he's done recently mm-hmm. uh, sorry fans of King, but um, I, which I am, I'm a huge fan. I, you know, you are looking up at my books. You see all my Stephen King books. Most of them were written in the '70s and the '80s. He he was just so good then. And uh, you know, nowadays it's like I don't think he has an editor. Like I don't. I think he gets to turn his manuscripts in as is. Like Anne Rice, both of them could use an editor, uh, especially now. I just think their books. They've just got a lot of ego in them, maybe. Like, you know, yes, I need to take four pages to describe the way this table looks. you know it's a lot. This did not read that way. It was very fast. it was it read like a movie, like I was reading it like oh, somebody has to adapt this because it's just it was really, really, really good um and it also has some connections to Joe's work to like Nosferatu. and and these same sort of you know these creatures that you know are existing outside of humanity. They're using these like inscapes you know to travel and and to find um these. The, you know, other, you know, the victims, you know, or, 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 or food <laughs> in which to sustain themselves. It's pretty good. So I do want to plug that. Um, I also do recommend watching the, uh, miniseries, uh, with Rebecca De Mornay and Steven Weber. Um, I think it's a, a pretty good adaptation of, of the shining of the book. If you're a fan of the book, other than that, Yay. Yay Jack Nicholson and little Shelly Devon Little Dan One Lloyd. more down One more down So um, I can't remember what's next 1984 Oh that's right we're going into Nightmare on Elm Street Nightmare I'm excited for
1: Nightmare. That. Nightmare.
0: So yep we'll be back with uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street and The iconic Freddy Krueger Yes it's as old as you It's true it is as old as me Yes, that's probably why I'm the way I am. I was born the year Freddie Freddie uh, came into being. <laughs> yes, you were born from his dreams. I was. So all right, well, we will see you all then. See you then. Bye. You are listening to the Geekscape Network.